When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome to Nature's Medicine for Modern Living. A people and plants dialogue. Hosted by the Sophie Health Team with founder Carve Mamari, herbalist Pamela Spence, and evangelist Vincent Byrne. Together, we explore the ancient world of plant medicine and reimagine it for the connected age and hear from our community of international pioneers who are validating this new paradigm and improving how we feel, sleep, and cope with daily stresses naturally. Sophie.health, reconnecting people and plants. A very warm welcome to our first show of 2024, and we wish you all a happy and a healthy new year. We're glad to be back to continue bringing you inspiring conversations about helping to cope with stress and the symptoms it often brings like sleeplessness and anxiety the Sophie way. We've got a great lineup of speakers for you this year, thought leaders in the world of medicine, plants and beyond, and we can't wait to speak with them and discover their differing approaches to health and well-being, many that underpin the Sophie.health system to support you in new and profound ways. Now, if you are joining us for the very first time, then please listen to our on-demand page on UKHR, and there you can find episode one. This is where we explain uh, kind of like who we are, and we outline Sophie.health, right, the vision that we've got, our own unique way that we combine plant extracts, uh, an app, uh, data and an online community to support people through stressful times, with our particular focus on helping improve sleep and anxiety. Last year, we rounded off with a visit from Mo Wild, author of The Wilderness Cure, who talked to us about how spending a year living only on wild food profoundly deepened her connection to nature and changed her health for the better. If you missed that, do go to our Listen On Demand page to catch up on a great show. So before we introduce you to this week's guest speaker, we want to invite you to take a moment to visit the page we've created, especially for UKHR listeners, with all the information you need about Sophie.health and how to join our community. We also have a special discount code for anyone who decides to join us on this journey to better health. And that code is RADIO50, which gives you 50% discount off the price of a Sophie pod. You can find all of this information at join.sophie.health forward slash radio or simply go to the UK Health Radio homepage and click on our banner to take you directly there. Now, we're missing Sophie founder Cave for the next week or two, but we hope you'll still enjoy the show. And this week, we are delighted to introduce our very own Sophie psychologist, Dr. Nikki O'Brien. Dr. Nikki O'Brien is a chartered and practitioner health psychologist registered with the Health and Care Professions Council in the UK. Nikki is an Associate Professor of Health Psychology at Northumbria University UK and is the Behavioural Science and N of 1 expert at SOPHIE. Nikki has world-leading expertise in N of 1 methodology and her work has catalyzed scientific advances in the methodology in applied health settings. Uh, Nikki's research centres on developing and evaluating complex health interventions at both the individual and the population level. 
Her recent work during the COVID-19 pandemic used animated GIFs to promote social distancing and hand washing in Guatemala, where she has also lived uh, and, and worked uh, with direct and indirect victims of the long-term conflict there. Um, so Evie, um, you know, we've obviously um, met Nikki uh, before, um, and yeah, she's got such an interesting career behind her and, and so many, you know, cool things that she's done. So what are your thoughts on, on speaking with Nikki today? Yeah, I mean, I personally can't wait to listen in to Nikki's interview today as someone who will very hopefully be studying psychology and neuroscience at university in the hopeful near future. I'm hoping Nikki's work can give me some further inspiration as to what my future could potentially look like. Who knows? Um, and I'm especially curious about her research into the N of 1 programs. And I think it would be great for our listeners today to understand more of what Nikki's N of 1 work really meant for Sophie. Indeed, yeah. Well, very interesting. So, Nikki, welcome to the program. Uh, great to have you here. Uh, and, yeah, looking forward to, to our little discussion. And before we get into the kind of like nitty gritty of what, what N of 1 means, maybe you can give us a little, you know, background on how you became aware and actually involved with Sophie in the, in the first place. Yeah, certainly. Thank you. That's lovely to hear, Evie, first of all, that you're going to do psychology. I didn't know that. That's lovely. <laughs> um, yes. So first became involved in within Sophie when Kave contacted me probably about three years ago now, I think. Um, and that was to... I think he'd become aware of my research within NF1 methodology and was contacting me to tell me about the idea for Sophie, the plans, and to see whether I would be willing to kind of contribute to anything from the kind of the, the research and the thinking for how the NF1 would work. Um, we had a few calls. We had lots of very interesting conversations. Um, and it's kind of just gone on from there, really. Mm. And. Can you kind of like explain what N of one means? We've, you know, we've mentioned it before on the show, right? Um, and especially when we are talking about the approach that we use, right? And how Sophie kind of like looks at plants and determine whether they're working for particular people. Um, but maybe you can explain, yeah, what it is and, and, and talk about what it means that we are using N of one as the research method at Sophie. Yeah, definitely. So, um, for me, I see N of 1 as rather than a research method, as a kind of a tool that you might use to do a piece of research, it's a methodology. So it's a way of thinking. It's a whole approach, um, more of a kind of a strategy, if you like. Um, and it really recognizes uh, and welcomes and searches for those differences between individuals. And it looks for them to identify how they might differ um, in terms of the way they think or the way they feel, the way they might behave. And in the example here, when you're looking at an intervention or a treatment, the way that differences, different ways that people might respond to that treatment. In addition to the kind of the looking at the differences between individuals, it also really welcomes um, the differences within individuals. So the differences in the way that we might respond on one day differently to how we might respond a different day or how we might feel one day and then how we might feel differently the next day. So it's very much looking at these um, these these idiosyncrasies, these differences at that individual level um, of who we are. 
And I think it's really important to kind of to, to recognize that it, it is doing that. It is it is it's not just looking at the individual, it's really relishing and really enjoying those differences of those individuals and within those individuals. I think that's, I love that word when you talk about it, Nikki, and you talk about welcoming the difference. And I I I feel like there's a lot of um a lot of people are feeling quite discouraged sometimes by interventions when it is just what's best for most people. And when it doesn't work for you, you know, some people talk about feeling a bit like they're made to feel like they're, there's something wrong with them because the treatment or the whatever it is didn't work for them. And the idea of welcoming difference is amazing. For me, when I first started talking to Kavi about becoming involved, it's one of the things that I had never heard of the term N of one, but I quickly realised that that's what I do. In, in like you say, you know, N of one is what happens when you do a one-to-one consultation. So one of the reasons that people find their way to medical herbalists like myself might be because the mainstream approach hasn't worked and that they, you know, the idea is that you, anyone that comes to your herbalist, um, even if they all have, you know, have 10 people with eczema, they will all leave with different, different herbal remedies because everybody is completely different. And so that's one thing that we always start with. And I didn't understand how that could be bridged on a bigger scale. And that's what really excites me about that, N of 1. Can you talk a bit about what, what, what N of 1 means in the context of Sophie? So we've always talked about it as being really central. How would you explain that? Yeah, so I think exactly it is really central. It's the it's the it's the core, isn't it? It's the core mm-hmm. of what Sophie is and what it means to be and wants to be, and is is actually being. Um, it is recognizing and looking for and welcoming those differences of an individual of how they are feeling, how they are thinking, how they are sleeping, or how their levels of anxiety or or, or sense of calm may be from one day to the next across that length of that that period of time with which they're actually engaged with Sophie that we're looking at them. So it's, it's allowing them to be their own almost their own scientist by Mm -hmm. reporting and doing their own levels of self-monitoring in the diaries, in the, in the journaling. Um, They are becoming more aware of their feelings from one day to the next. And us as the people looking at the data behind it are also able to really identify those patterns. So it's those fluctuations. It's those important fluctuations from one day to the next that we we want to identify to be able to identify the patterns that might be existing for an individual. So it's essentially what Sophie is. There's no there's no comparison of one individual to another. It's looking at the individual patterns of data and responses to the Sophie treatments for that individual. And I think what happened in the pioneer communities, we talk about the pioneers a lot. And of course, Evie's here is our sort of voice of our, our online community was in the treehouse, the name of our our meeting place of our online community. We would get lots of questions in there and I was quite active in there. Um, answering what people say, oh, I I I usually take vitamin C, you know, in the world, vitamin D in the winter. Well, I stopped doing that. Is it going to affect my survey score? I did this yesterday. She's like, and it was that it was interesting because we were in there saying, just do whatever you do. It doesn't matter. You know, don't worry about it. And they were saying, but, but if you're trying to see whether these products work, do we not need to keep doing exactly the same thing every day? And trying to explain to people that part of the beauty of Sophie and the construct and constructing it around anyone means go and do whatever you want to do. We will deal with that background effect change. And I, I find that quite interesting. There was quite a lot of worry about whether they should stick to doing exactly the same thing. It was nice to understand and to get, 
watch people getting their heads around the fact that there was space to accommodate that because they weren't used to hearing about you know sort of research being done in that way I think yeah that's a really important kind of thinking I think the mm. the, the meaning it, it does really demonstrate the meaning how meaningful it is being involved for those individuals as well um yeah. that they were obviously conscious that they want to get the best out of the data that they can and they didn't want to mm-hmm. potentially mirror or kind of hide or mask anything in their own data because they genuinely wanted to to learn from it and to benefit from it so yeah yeah absolutely so can you talk a little bit about how n of one is different then from the sort of standard way of testing effects of interventions up to now because it, it, it is quite new or at least if it's not new it, it's not very well known I would say would you say that was right how is it what are the points of difference then yeah I mean largely largely it comes from the idea with the kind of the the more um traditional approach with some with some testing of interventions is that you will create you will certain number of individuals will receive a treatment and a certain number of in, individuals won't and will create an average response mm-hmm. and that averaged response will be the closest proximity to how that treatment is or isn't working mm-hmm. or how well it is or isn't working um, and a lot of the time that average response therefore is based on a kind of the population that you're studying um, so if you think of an example, um, if you think of an example of something with chronic pain, treating a group of individuals with chronic pain, and you conclude that the psychological intervention has some small positive effects on that group, the av- that's the average response. That average response may not actually reflect any one of those individuals within oh, that population. Oh, group. so not, it might not be the effect on any one of them. It's just a yeah. kind of an almost a made up it could well response. Be. It wow, could well I haven't be. thought of it that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. you could have a large number of those individuals actually had a really large positive response, perhaps, and some maybe had no response. And there's perhaps some in that group who even had a negative or a detrimental response. When you average those out, you determine it to be small positive across the group. Wow. So, yes, that's true. It might be a small positive across the average effect of the group. But especially for those who had the detrimental response, we need to know about those. Mm-hmm. We really need to know and we need to then include that in the evidence-based decision as to whether that treatment should be used or not mm-hmm. um, and consider the actual kind of the risks or the, the likelihood, the chance of people having a detrimental response. So the N of 1 methodology is allowing you to, to test those interventions or those treatments at the individual level and really determine the response for the individual, not for the average person who may or may not actually reflect anybody. And that goes back to something that when we had Enrico on um, a few weeks back um, and uh, Kavi was saying when um, the 300 pioneers were sampling the first, you know, in the, in the first um, uh, lot of valerian we sent out, for example, and uh, Kavi said, you know, there were 300, um, t- you know, lots of valerian went out and 300 different answers came back. And that almost is kind of perfectly, that's the perfect example of that, isn't it, really? So there was no average. There were 300 very specific and separate responses. And then they went, well, you guys went, your team went. What are we going to do with that? But I guess for you, that would have been what you were expecting. 
Yeah, totally. And mm. wanting and wanting to see those yes. differences and really, really wanting to see them. Um, and that's where I think you see this difference between the kind of traditional medicine that is always going to be relying on these averaged effects from group based studies. And then the personalized medicine where the N of one methodology really fits is actually really wanting to look at, you know, the, the data driven from that person, from that individual to determine the, the response, the effect. But but it is a really different way of thinking because my understanding from the little research I've done, you know, during my degree is, um, or taking my degree, was that when you saw difference, it was a bit like, oh, no, <laughs> I'm looking for same. Don't give me too much difference. That's too difficult. It feels really difficult because you kind of want to create this hurt, this pattern, don't you? You want to look for a pattern. Yeah. It, it feels like it's a whole different mindset that you need to go at this from. Definitely, definitely. You want to see, like you say, you want to see fluctuations without those fluctuations and those differences mm. at the individual level. The data analysis is pretty impossible. So you want to see fluctuations wow. in how people feel each day and how they respond. And then you want to see differences between those people so that you can truly identify, OK, so who who is this intervention better for or worse for? And when would it be better to deliver it to this person? And when would it be not so good to deliver it to this person? Sure. And and when did, because I mean, I, like I said, I didn't realise it's kind of what I do day yeah. to day, but I don't have to write it up. <laughs> yeah. So I keep my individual patient notes. And I know they'll all get different things, but I don't have to keep track of it all, which was the bit that felt really difficult to me. What, what when did you first come to know N of One and, and where, where did it appear for you and what caught your interest about it? It became, um, there was a really interesting kind of, uh, work within the area of health psychology where I where I sit as a health psychologist that was starting to introduce this concept of N of one methodology. It would it had been existing in kind of developmental in clinical psychology through single case studies to some mm -hmm. degree, but not within health psychology. So it was starting to be talked about and it was suggested as something I could pick up as part of my PhD. So it became a couple wow. of studies within my PhD. And that's from then I, I was hooked, <laughs> hooked to the need and the value of the method, really. I can absolutely see why. And do you feel like it's spreading now? Do you feel like more people are are becoming tuned into how how amazing this different way of looking at research could be used? Yeah, definitely. I think especially within psychological training, a lot of people who go into psychology, mm -hmm. me being one, and I think a lot of the students I work with, we want to understand why individuals think and feel and behave like they do. Those individuals are part of a society, a community, a population, but we're still interested in the individual. Sometimes that individual is ourself. I acknowledge that, but also mm -hmm. it's the other individuals we might, we might work with. So it's, yeah, I think it's, it's hugely important and growing, growing in interest. That sounds, that sounds amazing because I feel like that, um, kind of disengagement with that kind of work that you hear some people talking about, you know, comes from, like I say, being treated as one of the herd and anything that, that helps us look at our, you know, at, at people as individual and look at individual interventions for them has got to be a healthy way forward, I would have thought. Yeah, definitely. It has to yeah. be a, health, a healthy yeah. way forward and the right way forward, you know, society from a society perspective as well, the right way forward. One of the hashtags that I'm known for using on my social media channels is one size does not fit all. I kind of feel like I'd like a T-shirt with that on it. Maybe we should get a Sophie T-shirt with that on it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because it's, 
It's exactly the opposite of that. Well, that's brilliant. Thank you so much for taking us through the basics of N of One, Nikki. And um, of course, we'd love to continue this conversation with you. So please stay with us um, and we'll be right back with you after this commercial break. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in-person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. Welcome back. Uh, a quick reminder before we dive back into the conversation uh, to visit our special landing page for UK HR listeners at join.sophie.health forward slash radio for all the information you need to join us and your special 50% discount code called Radio 50. Now, before the break, we heard Nikki O'Brien talk about how NF1 is all about welcoming the difference, the differences between people but even the differences between how we feel from one day to the next. NF1 is central to how Sophie works. We recognize and welcome those differences, allowing people to become their own scientists, really. They become more and more aware of their feelings on a day-to-day -day basis, and we can identify fluctuations behind the scenes. There's no comparison uh, from one individual to another, but rather we look at the background effect that changes person by person. Um, so, yeah, normal uh, is kind of like the average response, right? That's what we know it might create a small negative or a, or a large, uh, sorry, a small positive or a large negative response. But those kind of responses, they kind of hide in the data. Um, and so N of 1 is really interested exactly in those fluctuations really what the responses are that are hidden in that data traditional medicine kind of like looks at the average from that data uh, rather than the individual medicine which looks at the fluctuations between people i think that kind of sums it up nikki <laughs> great thank you <laughs> um and so when you kind of like look at n of one and personalized uh healthcare how is that currently impacting healthcare, right? All that NF1 stuff that we're now doing, which is kind of like changing from that traditional sort of like, all right, here's a paracetamol on average. <laughs> Should probably help you with your headache, right? So how do we change that when we are really seeing that impacting healthcare? Yeah, so I think... Um related to what Pamela said at the beginning, as a, as a, as a healthcare practitioner herself, you... We do, you do imagine that healthcare practitioners, clinicians will, in any kind of consultation, treat the individual as the individual and hope to support them 
in a way that is reflective and responsive to their needs and their expectations and their specific situation and that does obviously happen to some to some degree um, so I think N of 1 is already there in the way that we work in these clinical consultations um, but I think it needs to be further or it, it is becoming further embedded I think if you think of the example of I always think of the example which I give with with students sometimes when I'm teaching kind of the N of 1 methodology to them um, and I think about getting to think about a, an individual, a patient who goes to see the doctor with some symptoms, whatever they might be, some sort of health problem that they might have. And they have some symptoms and they go in and they expect or they hope that the doctor will think about the symptoms, think about what the patient has said and provide them with a treatment. The patient then that may happen. The, the doctor will then give them some medicine or some sort of treatment and say, go away and try this let me know how you get on or they probably might not say that if they don't want another appointment but the assumptions there that you can come back if you need to um, the patient will do that the patient then will then go away and essentially they work in their own n of one without realizing without re consciously doing it or even subconsciously doing it they will then use that treatment that they've been given and they will probably be self-monitoring their symptoms They'll be self-monitoring them to see whether they are improving or worsening as a result of having seen the doctor and being given this new medicine. If the medicine is not working in the way that they would like it to, they may well go back for another appointment and they will see the doctor again. And then they will have perhaps a different medicine to try or a different dose. So this is where the N of one is happening in that consultation where the dosage might go up or down or the medicine might be changed altogether. The patient's asked to go away again and to, to try and see how they get on. They'll engage in some more self-monitoring and then they may well need to attend the doctor again or perhaps they don't. And perhaps whatever health condition they had or problem they had is, is sorted, is solved. What the, the doctor is obviously using their knowledge, their experience of other patients they've seen they will also be listening to the specific nature of the symptoms that that individual has. But a lot of the time, they will still be drawing upon the guidelines and the recommendations from their field, which are probably based on population data. Mm. So the first thing that they perhaps offer to somebody is going to be for the average response. And it's where the N of one almost stops. And because they are perhaps still using the guidelines, the evidence-based medicine that they know to use it. So it's that traditional medicine again, rather than, you know, actually being able to just use the data that comes from the individual. So, and that will be, a, there will be many factors why that's the case. They're using those guidelines because they're the recommended ones. They're the ones from their professions council they're the ones that they are aware of they don't necessarily have the time or the resources to collect more data from the individual that would help them do the more personalized medicine approach but I think with advances in the way we're working towards more personalized care we can introduce that more and more so we do see personalized care growing definitely yeah 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 okay very interesting yeah definitely um and that's, I think, the think the way it would be that that personalised care is is becoming more. It's becoming more, perhaps even more demanded by by individuals as well, by patients. They want they're they're more aware of that they want something specific to them. 
um, and they yeah. want something that is going to address their needs gotcha. and their but expectations. So you would say that you know, in that sense, people are, are you know, yeah, being more vocal about what's working for them and, and how. I think so. I think there is. I mean, obviously, there will there will still be there will still be lots of people who don't don't necessarily feel that they have are empowered enough to request exactly what they want or to go back and and that's obviously always the always the difficulties but if we can work within the healthcare system to allow the healthcare professionals to have access to these the, the information and the data that's coming from the individual mm. from in the first place then they can be using that to actually support the individual even if the individual's not explicitly asking them to do it yeah it should almost be a bit more of an education to the patient about it maybe you know that we are just testing these things out and you know we are expecting you to respond to them just and you need to let us know how you respond to them so we can adjust it yeah yeah definitely um yeah, and I think, as I say, with the difficulty with the the waiting times for appointments and things, this is obviously always going to be much harder now, much yeah. harder for people to have repeat appointments with their with their doctor or with anything with anyone else, and so that that is going to be limited. But I think we we know ourselves better than anyone else knows us, so knowing how we feel in response to a specific treatment is is really paramount. It's the most important part. Um, mm. And with with the kind of the way I see it, with the advances in kind of technology and with science, there's actually this opportunity now for these object, these data that that exists, these data that are being collected, that we don't even necessarily have to be the person, the go between to transfer them. With the advances in all the the wearable technology that we have at our fingertips, literally through our mobile phones or our smartwatches or other devices that are collecting information on our health, sometimes on our feelings, sometimes on the environment, sometimes on our behaviours. Other times we're actively inputting those data into apps on our phones and on our devices, and sometimes it's happening automatically. If those data are able to then feed back in to provide additional objective support to the healthcare professionals who are then going to see us, then they're actually be able to to use and use those data in such a way that they can support us. They can. So I think this is where the end of one methodology has a real, real potential alongside these advances in technology and science. We're able to collect the data that otherwise would have been really quite burdensome to collect every single day from an individual. They can now be collected automatically. Gotcha. So you reckon more and more research programs are going to be relying on people's individual you know data collection and, and monitoring devices that they might have yeah definitely um you can see it you can see it within the research fields that you know with the advances like i say with the advances in the in the technology that's available even in studies that aren't perhaps purely an n of one methodological design they mm. are other studies but there is opportunity to look at individual responses in almost a subset of individuals in a larger study um because these data are being collected they are they are being collected and stored on our devices whether whether we've even necessarily chosen to and some of them we're adding to ourselves yeah and it feels like that the appetite for personalization, which is coming up everywhere from, you know, personalizing your home delivery, you know, 
meal packs to cook or that you know there's companies you can personalize your vitamins that are stacked together in one gummy or you can you know it feels like almost like it's like any one is maybe the academic version of this idea the almost pure version of this idea but it's actually coming at us through the culture because people want more and more personalized personalized tea blends personalized this that and the other it feels like it's, it's really filtering in in that way and of course I love what you said about people are kind of when they have a, an intervention, they're in their own kind of personal N of one. And of course, you know, you come from the field of health psychology. You know, Sophie is not a medicine. But what we what we're thinking about is that as an over the counter product, you know, an, an over the counter remedy, if you like, Um what people are doing there is they're very much in their own end of one because they go home and then they have, but they don't have traditionally the practitioner, the doctor to go back, like you were saying, to go back to, to check in with and say, what's my next thing to do. And so what people tend to do without that feedback mechanism, which we've talked about on other shows is that they tend to just keep throwing me at the next thing. Cause they don't know the parameters of how, how quickly should they feel better? What should that look like? You know, did I even keep a score in the first place? And that's why I think with the Sophie system, having the app and the community where you can ask questions, but the app where you are almost, you know, your own experiment, if you like, you know, you become your own detective, is you're getting that feedback to say, yes, this is working for you. Or conversely, no, this is not working for you. And actually, now we suggest that you try something else, I think. And you kind of, you blew my mind there, because here's me sitting here for quite some time now, having been very smug that what I do is N of one. Um, and then you actually just blew me away because you made me think about something I have never thought about before, which is what is the guidance behind the choices that I make in my N of one setting? And I have never thought about that. So it's not N of one all the way back because there is huge tradition behind the way that I would start prescribing herbs to my patients. And of course, we know that, you know, when it comes to doctors, there's a very much stronger protocol. So I'm not bound by a protocol. So I've been a little bit smug about that, but I'm absolutely taught by years of traditional work. So, wow, it's not it's not purely end of one all the way back, is it? That's incredible. Yeah, That's incredible. So. I'd love to know what it is about the work we're doing at Sophie that really is exciting to you at the moment. What What's the thing that's really, you know that's got you excited about about the Sophie teamwork just now yeah I think I think now and perhaps from the outset from those early conversations with with Cave it was the truly interdisciplinary nature the fact that there was going to be a real mix of people from diverse disciplines diverse professional academic business disciplines backgrounds coming together to kind of tackle this problem um, and tackle the way that we wanted to work. And I think that's the thing that really interested me at the beginning. And mm. it's still what interests me now. Um, it's the fact that we are even having the conversations with with you, the three of you today, it's it, it's that and it's beyond that. It's the 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 opportunity to really engage with things. And I think I fit I feel like quite privileged in the sense of the the role. The, the role of a, the psychologist within the team is that actually there's conversations, some smaller conversations than others, but I do feel like I could have conversations with everybody within yeah. the team about, because there's always an individual, there's always a human 
behavioral component to each of those other aspects mm -hmm. i can't contribute things about hugely about the technology or the fancy engineering or the really complex data statistics that enrico will do but i but i can bring back that point of if we are talking about there being an individual an individual needing to do something then we still need to consider psychology within it so it is really that integration of those different disciplines um and I think especially within kind of the, the role, I mean, I see the the journaling within within Sophie, I see very much the journaling being some of the core, what we would call behavior change techniques within health psychology that we would use in interventions, the core, really strong evidence based strategies to change behavior, being getting people to self monitor their own behavior and their, the, the, the factors that affect their behavior asking people to set some goals and consider what's important for them, getting, giving people feedback on their behavior. And the, the journaling aspect is, is doing that, totally doing that for people with the app alongside it. The social, the social support and the benefits and the use of role models, essentially through the treehouse. A lot of like, there's so many core parts of the actual key strategies that we would use that I feel that, already exist within Sophie and we can really kind of draw upon and really expand more. So yeah, I think it's just very exciting, exciting. And linking back to the the way that science and technology is is improving every day means that the way that we can collect the data that we need for Sophie is only going to be improving as we go along. Yeah, and Kavi mentioned that a few programmes back, he announced the fact that we will be connecting with wearables. I mean, I, I'm guessing from what you were saying just a little bit, ago about you know that being able to feed in so much more data that you can then look at I'm imagining that's an area that would be of interest to you as well totally yeah certainly um because it is the way it is the way forward it's the way that we'll be able to capture data real time in the moment um and perhaps with less burden on the individuals as well mm -hmm. it's not yeah. like the genomics or the other kind of profiling which is actually really burdensome and can affect quality of life of individuals this is something that the data will just be collected and also I think like watching because you know like like you were saying I have no input at all to the tech app all of that side of it a little bit around some of the language and the app but seeing that unfold to be this very beautiful very you know colorful fun pleasing thing you know when we talk about journaling at Sophie we're not asking people to open a book and write a page about their day which I feel like some people that hear the word journaling they go oh no not that again I don't have time or whatever but it, it is very interactive and beautiful and quick as well but you know it's asking <clears throat> very specific questions that you know you're behind the design of it you know we know is are properly designed to to elicit the data that we need to have a look and see what these plants are doing from my point of view the, the conversations I get to have with people across the team I would never have met when would I have ever got to chat to a psychologist that probably wouldn't ever have happened you know and to understand where you're coming from in it and like I said you know just even your insight about what's behind my own behaviors and my own practice has just that's actually given me that that's um really blown me away today I'm gonna have to go and think about that <laughs> quite considerably before I'm quite smug about how herbalists are and have won at their core and um, because we're not actually if you look back that far 
That's been amazing, Nikki. Thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your expertise with us. We're really grateful, especially as I know you're still on 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 leave from um from from the the Christmas and New Year holidays. Um, but please do stay with us for the rest of the show, where we'll be meeting my herbal hero of this week. We're going to have thoughts from Evie on our discussion today. Evie, the budding psychologist, who <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, uh, we're going to hear uh, from Vincent about his community um inspiration for the week, and all of that will be coming up just right after. After this commercial break. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. Welcome back to Nature's Medicine for Modern Living, a people and plant dialogue hosted by Sophie.health on UK Health Radio. And now it's time for our Herbal Hero of the Week. And this week, it's so chilly where I am right now that I decided we needed to warm up with a little bit of cinnamon in the spotlight. Um, It's very iconic uh, aroma and taste at this time of the year as well. When it's cold outside, we tend to reach for those more warming spices. And I certainly choose at this time of year to drink my tea with chai spices in them. Um, And that would always include quite a lot of cinnamon in my case. There's nothing nicer than the warming. It's a very gentle warming spice. It's always been prized as a culinary herb because it was uh, originally because it was able to preserve meat throughout the year, which throughout the winter, sorry, which would have been really important for those of us living in the colder climates. Um, And physicians in the Middle Ages used it a lot for coughs and for sore throats. We now, in practice, as herbalists, mainly use it as a warming circulatory stimulant and as a digestive aid for cold digestive systems. Now, in the West, we tend to assume that everything what that happens when we have um, uh, indigestion, we might call it, which, which covers a whole manner of problems, actually, we tend to assume that it's because we have too much acid. And actually, what I find in my patients is a lot of the time that exactly the opposite is actually going on. So if you eat a meal and instead of feeling the burn of heartburn, you continuously retaste the food all day and you feel uncomfortable with that. This situation of food up here in Scotland, we say it's repeating on you. You'll have your own local version of whatever you say. It usually means your digestion in 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 herbal world, we would say it's too cold. Your digestive fire is not high enough. And so actually doing things like taking antacids and things to to dampen the digestive fire, it may take away some of the discomfort, but it actually compounds the problem because they put the fire out even more. So what cinnamon and warming spices do is they actually add to that digestive fire. And you should find that that problem of things repeating on you would go away. And you'll know if you're that kind of person because you would struggle to eat, for example, salads and cold food in the wintertime. So cold food into a cold digestive system and you're going to get that problem of things repeating on you. Eat your food hot in the winter. Um, and take warming spices like cinnamon and ginger and cardamom, things like that, in your tea and see if that helps you any. So it's attracted a lot of attention in the last few decades for its ability as well to stabilise blood sugar levels. There's been a lot of research done on that. So it, it's become a really important um, herb for people who are struggling with their sugar levels. Um, 
and they can help to under supervision. It can help to manage type two diabetes, but I stress under supervision. Um, it was once considered a real status symbol and more valuable even than gold. And it's been used, documented use going back to 2000 years before common era in ancient Egypt. Um, I've got a brilliant um, 14th century um, sweet uh, recipe using crushed dates and honey and cinnamon, um, which I used to go into primary schools and make with children, which was unbelievably messy, but the kids loved it. Um, just also to show that we didn't really have so much sugar in our sweets back then. And we did really rely on the taste of spices and things like dates and um dates and prunes and uh, uh, and things like that to sweeten things up. Um, so the next time you're in your kitchen making a cup of tea or maybe cooking your dinner, I hope that when you open your spice cupboard, you might start to realise that there's a huge amount of history and also uh, traditional medicinal use around the plants that are in there. And just because they're in your kitchen doesn't mean they're not really helpful. So that's cinnamon for you. Um, and now time for our... Pioneer Reflections. Evie, I'd love to hear about your thoughts on today's um, discussion with Nikki. Yeah, I mean, it was really, really interesting. I think I was especially drawn to the whole thing about averages because I'm currently like deep into revision on like the syllabus of like A-level psychology and everything is always to do with the average outcome. Like, oh, this was the the general, this, the consensus of the study. Like, this is what happened. And I always think, okay, but like, surely that didn't happen for everyone what was what were both ends and I think to hear that we're really taking that into account here at Sophie is really like cool like it's doing something different than what everything is kind of how you're taught it should be like in psychology world like in the early stages of schooling for it it teaches you that always try and find the average always look for something you can base it on as a whole but this is how I would have liked to do it. I love how it's like, okay, no, what about the people that didn't fit that? Because that is ultimately what it is. And not everyone is going to fit the whole one size doesn't fit all. It really doesn't. So I think that's like completely great. And with the whole, you know, keeping everyone as an individual, I could have really used that. I mean, back in my episode way back when we started this show, I mentioned a lot about how, you know, the doctor's tried me on this thing and then this thing but it never really like they never took into account my lifestyle as a whole they were just like okay this worked for most young people at your age struggling with anxiety go try this and you know that never really worked until I looked further into my own lifestyle choices and kind of took in everything I'm doing to kind of balance it with a possible remedy or help so I think the fact that we can do that on a like you know, you can do it yourself. The pioneer can look at it and do it themselves, but it's also being supervised by the higher ups like us here at Sophie. So everything is all covered for us, which I think is is great. And it really gives kind of power back to the pioneer, which is ultimately what I think pioneers are really going to like. And as a pioneer representative, it's really nice to hear that, you know, there's not a comparison like of, oh, well, that that individual was like that one because that that doesn't matter here at Sophie like we're just going to keep everyone as everyone as their own person which I just think is incredible. If anyone uh, who's listening has missed uh, the episode where we interviewed Evie um, it was episode two on our listen on demand page where we um, 
we interviewed Evie and we talked, Evie, you talked about your journey as a young person suffering from pretty severe anxiety and, yes. and sleeplessness. And the, I was just thinking, and then you said it, that, wow, it's almost, I can understand why you'd be so interested in this because it was almost like you you didn't get on with the system. You were kind of failed by the system because you exactly. kept being given the average thing. And actually yeah. you're Evie and you needed your own thing and you had a hugely really? difficult journey to get to the point where you find what worked for Evie and, yeah, that's and it exactly wasn't what it. was working for anyone else. Yeah. Completely. That's why I've been so like, and that is actually the main reason I went into psychology because I wanted to look at it like, okay, well, why isn't my individual brain working not to the quote unquote average, which I don't even believe there really is an average, to be honest. <laughs> I think everyone's brain is so vastly different, but yeah, that, that was my whole thing of psychology. So to hear it, being fully done in the end of one is is fabulous. Nikki, is there anything you'd like to to come back to Evie with on that before we move on? Yeah, just to say, I think I think it is really important in having that personal experience yourself. Firstly, will probably make you a very good psychologist. Um, I think a lot of us do go into psychology for for not 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 all not everybody, but a lot of us do go into it for personal reasons where we experience something ourselves or somebody close to us has experienced something that we really really would like to be able to help them and that's what sparked the interest in supporting them so I think the fact that you were already going in recognizing the importance of who that individual is and the unique features and characteristics of them is is going to be really beneficial you know you you recognize that they are part of a bigger bigger group and a bigger society and a bigger environmental network but they are still an individual exactly and I wonder Nikki just um how do you hold that tension between what Evie's talking about as a student of psychology at a level and she's looking at the text and they're saying look for the average and you are the expert in n of one and you are also um a senior lecturer how how do you hold that tension between those two very different approaches yeah, and I think I think they they can they can go hand in hand. It's just mm-hmm. about recognizing that that they can go hand in hand, and there's an important time and place for both of them. Sometimes we do need those averages, and like we said, the the up till now the majority of evidence that we will have on a particular topic has come from those group studies where there's mm-hmm. an average response, which is why the recommendations and the guidance are tr- still based on those. Mm-hmm. But the more that we can also recognise that it's possible to also at the same time look at the individuals and draw upon the unique responses there, that they'll also then start to get informed in the evidence. So I think it will become more and more across the, as time goes on, that there will be more of the N of one methodology that's also given weight um, alongside, (laughs) but there's benefit benefit in both and recognising that there's benefit in both is important. Sometimes we have to do something that's has potential to be scalable and fit more people if it has a larger response. So amazing thank you we'd love to have you back at some point in the run as well to talk us through some of the um you know some of the data that that Sophie has collected and actually walk us through some of that that would be that would be fantastic if we can pin you down in your busy diary um but thank you and um so now Vincent you've been away you've you've been doing other things you've had a Christmas holiday you've you've traveled Europe what's been your inspiration when you've been away 
Um, well, actually, this this kind of N of one is is what we see uh, happening in the community as well, and it's something that Enrico touched upon before, where we actually looked at the results of when we were measuring some of you know how well do people respond to say valerian or asperganda and and we see this in the in the community as well where people go like oh my god asperganda changed my life and then the next day someone comes along and says doesn't do, doesn't do anything for me mm-hmm. right and it's that idea of like if we would have done the that average right we, we wouldn't have figured out that oh some of these plants work really well for some people because that first cut that we did we did look for the average right on average it improved you know a certain amount of people um that many hours of better sleep or less anxiety right and it's actually because we ran out of product <laughs> that we then said all right well who's this work really well for and we'll send those people who really liked it more and so when we actually then looked at that same data set that those people were generating, right, the, only the people who were responding really well, did we notice, oh, my God, it works really well instead, <laughs> instead of just averagely well, right? And I think that that's, that's the beauty of what you can, can now see when not only, you know, sort of like, all right, once you figure out with Sophie that, ah, you know, this one is or isn't working for me, there is then, you know, a second option or a third option or even a fourth option, you know, chamomile's coming. So, yeah, it's really interesting to see. And, and, and that's what we see represented in the community a lot, right? People actually coming in and basically saying, ah, totally didn't work for me. Or other people saying like, yeah, um, completely worked for me. This is the one. And I've noticed that myself as well with, with some of the different, uh, different, you know, kind of plants that I've tried that, yeah, some of them were working well for me and others were not. So yeah, super interesting. Um, and I think what's different yeah. about, I was having this conversation uh, with, with Kavi just earlier, actually, I think what, what uh, the traditional herbal way of dealing with this situation. And actually when you look at a lot of other products that are available over the counter um, is that they will, um, they will mix together. So we don't generally ever give one single herb. And that's what, what Sophie does. It's very different. And quite often I've been going, oh, but that would be much better if you put that with it. But then we skew the data at that point. So we were looking at other products where they are mixing together several herbs. And I'm saying, well, that's what I would do. I'd be trying to cover as many bases as I possibly could within the individuals so that we get a good response, you know, of some sort. We help them in some way. So we put I don't know. I mean, in a prescription for me, you get seven herbs in it sometimes. So I am matching them, but I'm also, and also we talk a lot in herbal medicine about herbs working in synergy together, you know? So, you know, so what's really fascinating for me about Sophie, but sometimes feels a little bit, uh, it's very different to the way I would work is the fact that we are going with, um, we're going with one plant and we're just again that one plant and what that one plant does, which is not necessarily the traditional way of doing it. So Amazing. I'd love to continue this uh, discussion. And hopefully, like I said, Nikki, we will get you back in the run at some point. And we can certainly pick up on some of this. But I hope, listeners, that you have got some understanding now of what N of 1 means that we've referred to and why it's so important and a core principle here at Sophie. So next week, looking forward to welcoming Simon Alexander on to the show. So Simon is the author of the best-selling book, Energize, Make the Most of Every Moment, 
which is the winner of the 2023 Business Book Award for Wellness and Wellbeing. It's an incredible book. Simon's going to talk to us about his journey from the fast-paced world of finance and near burnout to understanding ways to harness his own energy and will be giving us simple tips for anyone struggling with the fallout of stress. I've been talking to him and really enjoying listening to him talk about his work. And just before we go, a quick reminder of the special portal we've created for UK HR listeners to join Sophie which is join.sophie.health forward slash radio, where you'll find the information you need and a discount code radio50, especially for you to use if you decide to join us on the Sophie Health journey. So that's it for today. And we really look forward to being back with you next Monday at 3pm UK time.